Hello and welcome to episode 57 of the Review Movie Podcast. I am Ivan Kander and as always I am joined by my two handsome debonair co-hosts Dave Glanz and Mike Morandi. Say hello gentlemen. Hello, hello gentlemen. And joining us live from sunny Los Angeles, California, we have writer, director, producer, and all-around comic book geek Avi Glajanski joining us. Say hello Avi. Hello Avi. He gets, the j- he gets the joke. We're good to he go. He gets it. He gets it. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the podcast where we talk about classic movies in a modern cinematic context. If you want to find us on the web, you can do so at review podca- reviewedpodcast.com, at facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast. And uh, you can email us, did I say that yet? At contact at reviewpodcast.com. Am I repeating myself? <laughs> yeah, it's good. I don't know, but I, Dave is providing some sick Foley typing sounds. <laughs> yeah, oh, you can hear the typing? Yeah. Oh, oh, you yeah. can hear the typing. It, it, it sounds almost <laughs> like um, you're uh, typing with your uh, palms of your hand instead of your uh, your tips of your keyboard. Yeah, yeah like, like a bat, like <laughs> yeah, a metal bat. He's just smashing it. Yeah, yeah. But so, I like that uh, it went with the uh, talking about the email. It's like, that's the sound. <laughs> <laughs> For that professional, I've got a soundboard queued up for all the various sound effects. Um, But on today's episode, um, we have Batman versus Superman, you know, killing each other at the box office. So Mm. I thought it was apt time to go back and watch what I consider to be the best Batman feature film ever made, uh, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. This Christmas, for the first time, America's most exciting and legendary motion picture hero comes to the screen like you've never seen him before. The Bat! In an all-new, larger-than-life feature film. Now, the Dark Knight confronts his newest and most menacing villain. Your angel of death awaits. The Phantasm. I want you. And faces his greatest danger. So yes, I'm quite excited to talk about this film for a variety of reasons. One, because it's the first animated film we've done on this podcast. We have 57 episodes to our name, and we have yet to do an animated film, which is kind of sad when you think about it. Being that Uh, we're three animators. Motion graphics. (laughs) Right, exactly. We all all specialize in animation. We haven't done a single animated film. I'm terribly disappointed in all three of you. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) I'm disappointed in myself. Um, But also, I think it's uh, always interesting when we have a new Batman film hit the box office to talk about this character and what makes him work what makes him what portrayals of him do work and and so forth Um, to quote killian murphy the bat man yes from the second (laughs) or third best first first batman movie (laughs) oh uh batman begins um so batman mask of the phantasm came out in 1993 uh do we lose somebody i didn't do that no, nope, yep. I'm good. Hello. We're all here. Everybody. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> I don't was, know why. It was the Phantasm. No, <laughs> yes, it was the Phantasm. Uh, Batman Mask of the Phantasm is about, um, it's based on the uh, Batman the Animated Series, which was a popular uh, cartoon that appeared on Saturday mornings in the uh, early 90s, 92 through 94, I believe. Um, and this is a feature-length version that actually hit theaters. Um, it is about... Uh, Batman, who is wrongly implicated in a series of murders as of mob bosses, who, who is done by this new vigilante assassin, uh, the Phantasm, or as Dave would say, the Orgasm. <laughs> because there it is. Old. There it is. Wow. Um, and it was uh, directed by Eric Radomski and Bruce W. Tim, who also had a big hand in the creation of the series and the art style of the Batman the Animated Series. Um and it's just a really interesting Batman movie, I feel. So I'm going to first turn to Avi. Avi I have on this show because he is the biggest comic book guy I know. I know you're more of a Marvel guy, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, but, no. no. Oh, I'm, no. I'm pretty, oh. I, I'm like equal opportunity. I'm, I'm centrist, I guess. 
Oh, I there you say. go. Um, nice. I know you're a big fan of all the Vertigo comics that DC has put out, but um, yeah. So you are you are the comic guy, and I, I'm very curious to hear your take on Batman as a character. How you feel about him? Who do you what what Batman film and all the various Batman adaptations do you think works best? And how do you think Mask of the Phantasm kind of fits into that canon of Batman? Oh boy. Um, well, so I love Batman. I love Batman. Um, comics actually sort of like taught me to read. Um, I'm sure that all my elementary and high school and college professors would love to hear me say that. Um, but, uh, I, I was, I was always, it was on DC. It was, it was Batman and the flash and it was Spider-Man and, uh, and Cap and the X-Men on the Marvel side. And I literally have memories of like going to back in the, in the dark ages when you could still actually buy comics at the pharmacy, my parents would say like, you can either get a thing of candy or you can get a comic. Um, and I have really vivid memories of picking like random epi- uh, issues of Batman, just like based on the covers and that stuff. I actually, um, my, my essay to, uh, to apply to NYU for film school was actually written about the Dark Knight Returns. Um, so I, I love Batman and this movie came out in 93. I was 13. It was a year into Batman, the animated series, which I still think is, I guess the, the, the shorter way to get to this, Ivan, is I, I think that the Bruce Tim Batman stuff, which starts with the animated series and really runs all the way through um, Justice League Unlimited, um, that is probably and, and may always be my, my quintessential screen Batman. I think that there's, you know, I have a soft spot for Michael Keaton. I love the first two Nolan movies. Um, I'm actually quite excited about, about Batfleck. Um, but uh, even though I'm not excited about the movie that he is in currently, um, but I think that in, not necessarily in every episode, not necessarily in every way, but in most ways, I think that the the Bruce Tim um, Batman the Animated Series, that Batman with Kevin Conroy as the voice, with Mark Hamill as the Joker, um, mm. gets the closest to for for me personally and in, in how I see him, and and a big part of that is that that Batman has quite a lot of range, um, which is something that I think, you know, especially in the wake of um, The Dark Knight Returns and Batman Year One, and even before that, stuff that Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams were doing with Batman, there was this, you know, it's very easy to say that basically post-Adam West, sometime around the 80s, Batman became grim and gritty and and that was quote unquote the the right way to go um and everything in many ways since then has kind of been a continuation or or a reaction to that um and I think that that's actually fairly simplistic I think that even when you look at something like uh those those um Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams issues or even the Dark Knight Returns um even the Nolan first two Nolan films to a certain extent um there are times when that grim and gritty approach can feel a little bit too much. And so if it isn't balanced with other stuff, if you don't get this sense of, of there being a, a range to Bruce Wayne and Batman, it can feel a little bit one note. Um, and I think that even the best of those sort of grim and gritty approaches knew that. And I think that on screen, um, I think that the animated series has gotten the close the closest to finding that balance that the best of the of the comic books do. 
Um, and I should say too that you know it's not just that Bruce Tim was one of the was one of the co-director I think and one of the producers on this. It was written by Alan Burnett, who was one of the really big writers of um, of the animated series. The voice direction was Andrea Romano, who pretty much has voice directed the majority of of Warner Brothers um, direct to video and stuff. And and that's and sort of started with this. The heart of your question was how does this movie, how does this interpretation of of Batman sort of stand in the, in the pantheon? And I guess the the bottom line for me is that this sort of world, the sort of the Bruce Tim, Paul Dini, Alan Burnett, Batverse that that this movie comes from is in many ways for me my quintessential screen Batman. It's I, I like other ones too. Um, and this one certainly isn't perfect, but I think what it gets right really well is that it does not go, it's not ca- all camp, it's not all grittiness and Christian Bale's bat voice. Um, but what do you mean? <laughs> much better than mine. I sound normal. <laughs> but it finds, I think it does a really good job of, of navigating the space between and leaning into each side when is appropriate. And that, to me, is so much closer to the Batman of the comics than um, than any of the sort of more, <laughs> I don't want to say one note, but more limited, shall we say, screen imper- interpretations of any of the, the other feature films. Um, I think it's really well stated, and that's kind of why I jive so much towards this movie. And I'll admit, partially my love to the, for this film has to do with nostalgia. I mean... Growing up when I'm a you know twelve year old kid or ten year old kid going home you know getting home from school and watching Batman uh, the Batman animated adventures when Superman were paired together was the highlight of my day. I've seen every episode of the animated series and it was a big defining uh, moment of my childhood. Um, I was almost nervous to go back and watch this again because I was afraid that <laughs> it, for some reason wouldn't hold up to my snooty taste of me now as an adult. But um, before I digress too much and laud too much praise on this film, I'm going to turn to Dave, who is the cynical um, hater of Batman amongst us for some reason. I feel I, like you're, what are you talking about? you're the least comic book guy amongst us. By I'm the far. least comic book guy. I certainly don't hate Batman. Um, I, think, I think you secretly <laughs> like hate Batman. Batman. Uh, have you, did you see this movie prior to this podcast? No. Okay. I, then this is great because this never happened in the show. Did you hear the disgust in his voice when he like no? And it no, also, way no, no, no. Well, I mean, the way Ivan looked at me was like he, he like expected me to say no. No, so. well, I mean, it's, this is interesting because in this podcast, it's usually the reverse. Dave has seen like every movie that like anyone has ever watched. But I'm very curious then, going in kind of cold because you're you're probably too old to have enjoyed this series Ooh. as a kid. No, I'm, no, don't mean that as a jerk. Oh. Uh, wait, did you watch Batman the Animated Series? I did, yeah. If I can just jump right in. I, I did watch Batman the Animated Ooh, Series. Oh, you just proved me wrong. Look at that. <laughs> I mean, I'm me. trying to think. How, so what year did it come out? I'm, I'm 93. Uh, no, 90, 92, I think, is when the Animated Series came out. The movie was 93. But yeah. I'm going to take Avi's uh, uh, word <laughs> and uh, go with that because I'm pretty sure, I mean, I... You know, I was a young man once, you know, back a long, long, time, long ago. time ago. Not quite as young as Ivan, but uh, I was I was also young, and I watched. Uh, I came home from high school. Like I said, uh, you know, I, I I guess high school kids were still watching cartoons after school. I mean, I, I watched cartoons sometimes after school, and um, this was one of them. An animated series. I enjoyed it. Uh, I, I had enjoyed uh, the um, the uh, Burton films. Uh, well enough. I, w- I wasn't a huge fan, as you know. We've already talked about Tim Burton's Batman on the show, and uh, I, I I like that movie. I don't think it's a great movie. I think it's a good 
uh, superhero movie. Um, so I was a fan of the series, and uh, you know, I don't know that I have. I'm going to be the guy, the guy most interested to hear what you guys have to say, honestly, because I enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed Mask of the Phantasm. Um, I didn't expect to be blown away by it because, uh, you know, I like the series. I like Batman. Um, and I, I think it was about as good as I expected it to be. You know, I think it was. Put that good, on the box cover, think, guys. Put that. <laughs> as good as I expected it to be. I mean, it was, you Dave know, I, I, I like the voice. I've always liked the uh, Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill uh, voice acting in, in, uh, in, the, in the animated series. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, I'm a big fan of the overall look and the aesthetic of uh, the animated series and, and this movie and how they make it take place in the 30s and 40s. I love the Art Deco stuff. Uh, I was a big Ish, Art Deco ish yeah. stuff. Um, you know, you know, no, thirties and forties ish. Yeah, thirties and forties ish. I mean, it's pretty clear. It's pretty hard art deco. I mean, yeah, well, no issue that, about that. It's a okay. It's a universe that doesn't exist. It's it's the Tomorrowland thing that Disney does. It's like a future right, that never right. existed. This is a nostalgic look at a past that never was with future technology that never is. I, yeah, I guess. I mean, I feel like they in the forties they had a giant computer outs, outside of Batman, but there's no one else. In, in this universe that has computers. No, it's only no, no, Batman. that's not, no. There's, uh, there's, is that, am I wrong? Yeah, I mean, you're I'm, wrong. I'm sure I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm no, sure I'm wrong. Oh, there's nice. There's entire episodes the based around, uh, around computers and stuff. I mean, the... Okay. All so, right, well, we, yeah. in this movie, in this movie, I didn't remember seeing anybody. I mean, there were there were gangsters sitting at conference tables and... Which is like you a know, very, you know, old there school were, trope. There were cars that were clearly inspired by cars of the 20s, 30s, 40s, or whatever. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the just the look of the city... Uh, reminds you of movie. If you watch any you know, black and white movies from from that era, I mean, it, you know, the look of it reminds you of those movies. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, Batman clearly the character in this in this series and in this in this movie kind of exists. Uh, it's almost like he's come back in time. Sorry, guys, uh, I still get these alerts. Um, it's like he's come back in time to be Batman in the 30s and 40s. I mean, Batman always has Batman always has technology. I mean, just just part of the Batman uh, mythos, Batman contract, uh, really. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, when he it's, signs up, they're like, he's like, am I, I going to get technology in this one? Yeah, yeah. It's not really going to do many good. Just like a bat, then I at least want a cool car. If he's right. going to be in a cave, right. you know, he's going to want a uh, little technology to contrast all that, uh, you know. Yeah, Neanderthal qualities to his existence, I guess. Damn. Ooh, ouch. Uh, hey, sorry. Hey, well, I mean, come on, he's in a cave. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so good movie. Uh, you know, a solid story. Um, and uh, I, I enjoyed the, uh, the action. I, I appreciated the opening credits of this movie where it was uh, kind of a mix of 2D and 3D. Yeah, um, the, the, it's a it's a hand drawn movie except for that opening credit sequence, which is clearly like one of the early uh, use of three yes. uh, D animation or right. CG animation, which is right. pretty cool. Um, Mike, what is your familiarity with this series, and how do you feel about Mask of the Phantasm? Yeah, so I, I uh, actually I hadn't seen the movie going into this. I watched the TV show for uh, quite a while when I was again high school, uh, middle school, something like that. Um, and I, I really liked the TV show, and I have really fond memories of it. And I think, uh, just generally thinking like that was just it was good TV. I remember enjoying it as a kid. Again, like I'd like to go back and, and actually rewatch, especially because I didn't I didn't love this movie. Uh, I gotta be Ooh. gotta be frank, yeah. And I, I I think honestly, I think the biggest problem I had was I think the animation quality. Um, 
didn't feel like it was just on par with the show that I remember. And it makes me curious what that show used to look like. Um, but I remember it, I thought I remember it being much better. A lot of the scenes, especially where it was like the, you know, the, any of the, the, the discussion, uh, conversation scenes where he's Bruce Wayne and like just him talking didn't seem like it was syncing up or the, the, uh, the, the emoting and the acting just seemed weird. And like, they were making weird faces. I'm like what's, what's going on here? Um, <laughs> things were like strangely nineties. I could, I could mask of the orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All, and all the sex scenes too. I just, I thought it was a, a, a bunch a PG movie. I, I don't know. Um, so yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I feel like this is something that didn't, it did not hold up for me at all. Um, and I went back and I was just kind of like, quickly glancing through some old uh animated series uh just clips online and i feel like it's much better i think the posing the silhouetting just like the the um just the drawing itself i just everything looks much better then and i think I, something about this movie just came off as like a little cheesy here and there and um i don't know why i felt like joker maybe shouldn't have been in it i felt like it was a Ooh. Did did Joker die? I guess we'll Ooh. talk about that later. I guess he dies in this. No, no, no. Yeah. We, need to, we need to. Let's let, let's get uh, before right, we get we'll, into we'll too deep into plot. Okay, stuff, sorry, sorry, sorry. We'll, let's we'll come keep back it on that. general thoughts, and then I'll I'll dive into plot stuff. Right. Sure. 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 So just overall, I felt like Joker was almost like, oh, come on. I I, I love the Joker, and I think Mark Hamill's <laughs> a genius as his as his uh, voice, right? But it just felt like I thought there was gonna be something different, and then they brought him in, and I was like, oh, come on. Um, a little predictable, I think, in some spots, but I, I don't know. I, I was, I really was looking forward to it because I, I, I generally like Batman movies and, and films and stuff. Aside from the Tim Burton ones, which are a little weird, but um, yeah, I don't know. A little disappointed. Okay, so here's here's my uh, my quick and dirty thoughts. In it is Mask of the Orgasm. It is Mask all. of the Orgasm after all. <laughs> um, so. Mike, I agree with you in the sense that the animation was worse than I remember it being. I agree yeah. with you there. And I think that, but I don't, I don't think that's necessarily just the movie. I think that's the entire series as a whole. Um, and not that I don't like the art style of the series. I think the art style is actually fantastic. I love this art. No, I, I, yeah, I love the art style. I think, and, and I think a lot of it's just really clean lines. I think some of the poses are very, they're, they're very theatrical. And even um, the, uh, art the deco is beautiful. Yeah. Even the figures of the men, like every man is the broadest chested man that has ever <laughs> right. existed. And right. it is very much fitting of that, like, uh, dames and, you know, scoundrels and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just uh, triangles kind of with legs. Yeah. 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 Pretty much, yeah. And, um, but I do agree that there was a fluidity of this animation. The animation, when watching it as a very critical thirty-year-old animator watching this movie, I was critical of that aspect of it. That being said, I think on a story level, the movie is still very strong, and I think it's the best Batman movie because, as Avi mentioned, it understands that Batman is a nuanced character; that he can be gritty and dark, he can be comical, he can have emotion, he can be sad. Um, and I think the script is incredibly tight. And I'm, a, I'm as someone who writes screenplays, um, I'm always admire a movie that can tell a very complex story. I feel in a short amount of time. And this movie is less than 80 minutes long. Like it's yeah. short. Um, it, it tight, you know, tight, tight. it's a tight 80, right? <laughs> I appreciated and, this. But yeah. like you know, <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen Batman v Superman, but that movie is what two and a half hours long, right? It definitely, and, I think it pushes closer to three. Like I think and, it's like. 
two hours and 50 minutes or something And, like you know, that. based yeah. on what I've been reading about that, you know, film, I don't think that has half the emotion and heart that this movie does, and it does it in 80 minutes. So I think, I think it's a testament to strong writing. I think that the uh, set pieces it puts Batman in are interesting. The, here's what the, It's amazing. This is what the movie accomplishment, accomplishes. It gives Batman's origin story in an unconventional way. It gives him a great love interest, uh, a tragic love interest. It gives him two villains, which is something that most superhero movies totally fail at when they cram villains in. It does two villains, which I believe I don't think it gives short shrift and I actually like the Joker in this movie and it also um, it kind of uh, establishes Batman's motivation as a character to go on being Batman all in one movie which I think is incredibly impressive and why I think the movie is so strong but um, let's kind of rope back a little bit here and let's talk about basically what happens in, in the film before and what we kind of before we do that, I just not um, not to necessarily excuse it, but there was I stumbled on a little bit of trivia that I'd sort of forgotten about, which I think uh, to a certain extent speaks to the the runtime and also the unevenness of the animation, which I happen to I mean as, as much as I still really enjoy this film, I, you you guys are are right, and the animation is all apparently. So this movie came out in the middle of the show still being on TV. And apparently it was originally going to be um, a direct-to-video um, one-off. And what happened at some point when they were, like, ha- you know, they were in production, they were already pretty far along, is that Warner Brothers actually decided, um, whether off the strength of the Tim Burton stuff or whether they really believed in the material or whatever, they decided to give it a theatrical release, which meant two things. It meant that the runtime had to be increased because I think this clock's in right at about 76 minutes, which if I'm not mistaken is basically exactly what something (laughs) needs to be to qualify as a feature film. Mm. And the other thing that that Mm. meant was that suddenly there was more animation to that needed to be done faster. And I've actually gone back. I was telling Ivan, I'd actually been recently rewatching all of the, um, all of the episodics, all of the show. And while it's true that some of that animation doesn't hold up either, I do think like there are almost, there's the aesthetic style of this film overall, but when you look at actual scenes, there are certain scenes that are animated better than others. And you almost get the sense that the ones that are not quite as well done. The junior animators came in and did those. Yeah, or they just (laughs) had less time or, or something. Um, so anyway, not again, not that that necessarily excuses it, but I thought that that was really interesting I, because watching it, I, li- I watched it last night and I was like, oh man, some of this is kind of a lot rougher than I remembered. And right. then I found that. And anyway, I thought yeah, it was, it, I thought it was worth it, uh, mentioning. It is an interesting uh, perspective. Like this whole show is about watching movies that you haven't seen in a while and seeing how they hold up. And my memories in my head were that this animation was incredible. So yeah, it, mine it is, too. It, it is interesting how that doesn't quite stack up so so what is the basic plot of this movie right so it opens basically on um batman you know um being you know at basically the peak of his batmaniness in gotham city he's and, really batmany he's at peak batman and all of a sudden this nefarious character starts knocking off mob bosses and he looks a little bit like batman and more like he, skeletor he's more but you know you know in a, in a in a city of shadows at night you know he wears a cape and you know yeah. and he starts getting um batman starts being accused of his crimes uh and 
you start, you know, digging into this backstory of Batman's relationship with a woman named uh, Andrea Beaumont and uh, her family and the, her ties, her father's ties with the mobs. And um, it all ends up kind of coming full circle. The big twist in this movie, um, you know, not to spoil too much, is that um, Phantasm ends up being Andrea Beaumont. Um, what? Which I'm guessing, Mike, <laughs> when you talk about it being predictable, I'm guessing that's something you called you telegraphed a mile away. Um, yes. Um, I, I, to be honest, I it was a series. I guess it, I guess technically it wasn't. I thought it was her dad because yes, well, that's what you're exactly. supposed. To, that's what you're supposed to believe, right? Yeah. And then after a while, I was like, I think that would be too obvious. I bet it's her. And then it see, was I her. mean. Maybe again, uh, again, it's, I can't go back to when I didn't know that twist. Like, it's impossible for me to view it from that lens. It's like you can't watch Empire Strikes Back. I bet. I'm pretty sure young Ivan knew who it was. I didn't, and I found it to be one of the great. I, I remember being blown away. When I, I think I saw this movie in theaters. My parents took me to see this, and I, I remember being like, like amazed that a movie could be so clever uh, when I watched it. And I don't know necessarily if it's that's. I, I can see how it kind of feels somewhat obvious, but I feel like the script does a great job of misdirecting you in a way. I think so. Yeah, I yeah. would say um, so, yeah. There's that one... doesn't feel... Go ahead, sorry. Oh, so uh, I, I distinctly remember seeing it in the theater. I distinctly remember only realizing that it was her, like the moment before the reveal happened. Um, watching it last night, though, I noticed something that kind of <laughs> stuck in my, my craw a little bit because I think overall I think the script does a really good job like you said Ivan, of, of doing the misdirection but there was one moment that felt a little bit like a cheat which is that after she is shown to have already been in Gotham in the first scene we see her on a plane coming right. into Gotham and I have been racking my brain <laughs> since um, then I, trying I, to figure out how to how to justify that. Yeah, I noticed that. It's a really good point, actually. And um, my wife actually brought up the exact same thing. She's never seen it, and she watched it this time as well. And I was trying to figure out an explanation for that, too. And the the horrible hey explanation... Hang, hang on one second. Hang on a second. I think someone's knocking at my door. Hold on. Oh, my, did you order that strippergram again? Well, I mean... Oh, it's the phantasm! <laughs> you the always orgasm, were a loser, actually. Mr. Bronsky. <laughs> And then it got weird. Your death awaits, Michael Morandi. Sorry, your angel of death awaits. Your angel of death awaits, Mr. I have to say, I loved that choice, by the way. That's one of those things where, like, if they'd only done it twice in a row, it would have been a terrible choice. The fact that I think it happens, like, four times, maybe? It's almost like a, it's almost like a joke, too, right? Like, it comes back to the other side of being like, oh, that's actually... Kind of. Well, I mean, creepy. I mean, uh, I know Mike's coming back, but I kind of go. I'm so out excited. here. Sorry, oh, okay. it was nobody. Well, whatever. <laughs> That's weird. Um, <laughs> the thing. Okay, so again, I'm going to go back to why I like the script so much, and I'm, I'm nerding out over it. But I think the right, like, just the dialogue. I think of the movie is really freaking clever. Like, I think that the interplay between Andrea Beaumont and Bruce Wayne, their back and forth, which is again kind of got this. Um, um, I don't want to say screwball comedy vibe, but it's got almost like this um, serial vibe of, uh, you know, dame and guy. But it's clever in this, like every little lines, the, the, the line where uh, she talks about, you know, mother was asking, I think all that stuff with like yeah. the grays, I'm not the only one that talks to my parents. I think that's a great way to uh, connect them. Even when she's accusing him at the end of the movie, the line where she's like, if there's any person in this room that's controlled by their parents, it's you, which is That just, is such a good line. Tell oh. me, man, that line is, that is line is great. That, that is 
but it is, it is the defining aspect of who Batman is, right? Like, and yeah. how yeah. and how kind of crazy he is and nuts he is. And he here is a guy, and this is why this movie is great them, thematically. Um, Phantasm is a character that she is a character that is driven by vengeance. Batman's entire motivation is driven by vengeance. Like it is, he is he is calling her out for doing the thing that he's doing. Apart from killing, which Batman does not do, and that's obviously a big thing about his character. But I love this idea of two people that have the exact same goal, but go at it from different perspectives. I think to be really interesting foils for one another. And I think that this is why I think the movie works. Beyond just being, oh, it's a clever kids' cartoon. I think it's 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 got these deeper layers that I think really work in favor of. And so, and something to that, Ivan. Sorry to jump in, but that that line and what what you're talking about. Part of what I think is so brilliant about it is that again, going back to this idea of of Batman as potentially being one note, and the fact that the best comics uh, are are not entirely. In many ways, this to me is a movie that is legitimately a turning point for, for Batman, right? He starts this movie as a Batman that is only driven by vengeance. Maybe he doesn't kill, but it's about punishing the bad guys. He ends this movie as a Batman that can continue to go on because he's no longer driven by vengeance. He's driven to stop some other kid from watching his parents die, which is... A subtle difference, but it's a huge difference. And some of the best Batman comics have been sort of about that as well. Scott Snyder, who's just wrapping up his run on the flagship comic with Greg Capullo, um, a big part of his run has been about trying to, without, while still honoring the idea of a badass Batman who can kick all sorts of ass and who's driven by the fact that his parents were murdered, turn him into not just a symbol of fear, but a symbol of hope. And this, years earlier, I think was doing exactly exactly that. Andrea can never get past vengeance. It's always about punishing the bad people. In this movie, Batman finds some peace on that level and keeps going anyway to save others. Um, and I, and it's, there have been other stories that have tried to sort of talk about the same thing, but I think Alan Burnett and the other filmmakers did such a great job of doing that here in such a tight way. Um, so, Dave, my question for you, being the snarky dissenter on this podcast, is... Why am I always... Sorry, go ahead. I, I, I like this fictional character I've created of Dave's persona. Of Dave, uh, where he's just, like, turning his nose up at everything. Yeah, just like, uh, it, Basically, it's the cartoon version of Dave. Um, my question for you is this. So... Let's say this is a very hard thing to visualize, okay? But let's say you're watching Batman Mask of the Phantasm, okay? And it's the exact same movie, same script, same scenes, but it's not an animated film. It looks just like Nolan's Batman in terms of, like, the, 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 the realism of, like, people and, and that does this movie is this movie even better for you or like, I guess what I'm saying is the kiddiness of the animation getting in what in the way of you admitting that this is the best Batman movie <laughs> um, well yeah I probably and you know it, it, and I guess it's a little hypocritical coming from an animator but uh, I think it's a fair point though because I think that's uh, the, the big like I love animation don't get me wrong and I think it's a medium and I think it's a medium that's not necessarily meant for kids but I think that it is something that is hard for people to overcome especially when dealing with serious subjects like death and, and, and things that that feel like they need to have more tangible consequence than what animation can sometimes provide can I would say the an, the animated films that I enjoy the most are typically not uh, the ones that are um, 
you know, action filled and dark. And, you know, I'm trying to, th- I'm trying to think of some examples, but like, my, you know, my favorite animated films are like, uh, up, uh, beauty and the beast, uh, Pinocchio, uh, Fantasia, you know, I, I you know, and you know, I, I'm trying to think of a, a thread that connects all the movies that I, that I like the most, but, um, Disney films, you know, Dis- well, Disney films, yes. Animated films, Pixar, whatever, uh, you know, most of, uh, whatever. Uh, Dave, do you like the um, like the the Studio Ghibli films or Ghibli? I never know. How yeah, that. yeah, but I, but but even even with those movies, I've never watched them more than once. You know, I, I've, I've seen Spirited Away and um, uh, I would see that one with the fish. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the name. Ponyo, Ponyo, and Princess Mononoke. I think I'm pronouncing that right. So I've seen a lot of the big you know heavy hitters there, and I like them a lot. But I know I've never seen them more than once. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess it's a little bit odd that, you know, the, there's very, there are very few animated films that I, that I like watching over and over again. And I, you know, I, I don't see myself watching say Mask of the Phantasm again. Um, although I did enjoy it, you know, it's so, it's like, I have nothing against, uh, these, these series and, and you're right. It's, it's possible if it was live action, what we're already watching, what we're watching is already artificial. A movie is artificial and animation Wait, makes Mike. something, you know, <laughs> yeah, Mike, and animation makes something feel that's something that's artificial. You feel even more artificial. So it's it's a very difficult task to um, make you feel uh, like emotionally attached and involved to uh, a movie like this. I'd say, and I think it probably just depends on your life experience and your age and, and when you've seen it. And um, you know, I don't think there are a lot of adults that you would show to the, this movie now, and, and and they would probably say, yeah, it's good. It's it's there's really it's actually a pretty good story, and it's it's a well. It's nice to see 2D animation, and it's uh, the art of this movie is fantastic. But it's, I don't think it's going to be that many people's favorite movie. I mean, it's you know, it's it's good. Yeah, uh, it, it it is a disconnect. I think that exists because of the medium it's presented in in a lot of ways. Much more eloquently stated. But Thank you. Mike, um, let's talk about your issue. Let's. Uh, I feel like I'm skipping ahead too much, but let's talk about your issues with Joker. And I I, I want to get so in the course of the movie, you find out in another brilliant reveal, may I add, that Joker is one of the uh, gangsters that uh, turned on Andrea right. Beaumont's father, yeah. which I think is one of my one of when he draws that line on the pen, you hear the laugh. I still get chills thinking about it because I think it. Yeah, that actually. Okay, so here I I, I think. If the Joker had to be in the movie, I think the way they did it was good, right? I think I think that reveal is pretty neat. I think finding his kind of origin, even though it's not really his origin story, but knowing who he was beforehand, um, I had no issue with that. My, my problem was I don't like when movies bring in too many villains because it takes away from, it kind of lessens the power of any one villain. I think it's always better to have one in the movie and you focus on that one character. And I think focusing purely on the, the on Phantasm would have been better than actually having Joker in there to distract because he becomes like the real antagonist at the end of the end of the day right um and i I guess you kind of need that for the story right you need to have another antagonist in there but um i feel like it just became like oh it's just a regular batman movie it's just batman and joker again like i I almost was expecting and 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 looking for something different um with this new villain and, and really diving into the story behind that and i feel like joker comes off as more of a distraction um and again like i don't i like the joker as a character and i i think mark hamill is excellent i think he's got such a I actually had to double check that that was still Mark Hamill because I'm like, it sounds nothing like him. It's amazing, um, but I just feel like let's focus on Phantasm. Let's let's not focus on on the, on the Joker or you know, 
you can bring in other antagonists that can just be other crime lords that I feel like are going to be less big on screen and pull the attention away. So Especially I'll, once you get to the, like this Tomorrowland thing, and it's all about like the robot wife and all that. It's just like a, it's like a, <laughs> it, I don't know. I feel like that time could have been better used elsewhere. Um, you know, what are your as a screenwriter? How do you feel about like the overstuffing of villains into movies, which is a, a common problem in, in most superhero yes. comic See, Batman films. versus Superman. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I mean, well, even to a certain extent batman returns i think actually did it fairly well but i feel like in many ways and and this this came out after batman returns i think so i think batman returns was 92 so i think mike you're there's maybe a little bit of there's maybe some truth in in what you're sort of feeling i wouldn't be surprised that the ending of this how it ends um is almost the same ending as batman returns like i think there was definitely some like now we need more than one villain uh, going on, yeah, because and but, I think it depends on what your goal is. I think if you if you just want it to be a cool Batman movie and you want to have a lot of villains and make things kind of cool and fun, like I think that's fine. I think maybe I'm putting too much, uh, I'm placing too much seriousness on it. I know you, I know you guys are saying you don't want to make it overly gritty, right? So if that's the case, I mean, it's it's fine. It's a Batman movie. You want to put a Batman, Batman villain in there? That's fine. I just think that like you have a potential to really explore a villain and really kind of get in. Um, and a perfect example I have when we were just discussing this was was Daredevil. I feel like for the first four episodes of season two, you get to focus on the Punisher and only the Punisher, really. Now you can kind of go out and then explore some of the other bits of the world now that that story is kind of fully told and it's been really kind of... Uh, you, you're able to get a lot from that and really see the character development, understand that character, and then kind of see the next part of the world. I was expecting something like that for uh, Phantasm, I thought. So can I, can I make an argument for yeah, yeah, why? Yeah, So... I, I think I, I totally hear what you're saying. I think that um, whatever the reason reasons sort of from on high that they put Joker in, I think that there's actually a really compelling sort of narrative and thematic story reason to have them there. I think that it doesn't it it doesn't quite get as much as I love this. I think it doesn't quite get there, and that's in no in probably a function of runtime and the limitations of the medium as much as anything else. But I think the argument for why there needs to be another antagonist and why it specifically has to be the Joker, as opposed to just another mob boss, is that once Batman knows that the Phantasm is the lost love of his life. And once he knows what the reasoning is that she's doing what she's doing, um, it's not that he's not trying to stop Joker, right? This is the one sort of random Batman thing where Joker's kind of minding his own business in in large right. part. The only person he kills in this film is one of the other mob bosses, and it's just to get um, to sort of draw the phantasm out. So there's no, like, Joker plot that's being foiled. What Batman's actually trying to do is stop Andrea from crossing the line that, in his mind, you don't get come back from. And if there was any villain that Batman would be willing to bend the rules for, it would be Joker, right? That's sort of, this borrows a little bit from the killing joke, the Alan Moore... Uh, Brian Wait, Bowen hold on. Thing. You mean that he would be willing because it's his nemesis, right? He said he'd be right. a lot less. He has killed. Right. Joker right. has killed right. more people than everybody. They're they're two sides of the coin. They're at war. Like if there was anyone that Batman would be tempted to put under the ground or let sure. someone else do it, it would be him. So to put him in a position where the easier thing to do, right, the thing that would allow him to still be not at odds with the woman that he really wants to pick up his life with again. Um, if it was just some mob boss, 
it wouldn't be that hard. I mean, it would still be hard because he's Batman, but it wouldn't be as hard. Right. Right? Uh, yeah. So, and I, I think that's actually a really good point. And I, I like that. And I think that's great. I just don't think that's communicated for someone. You know what I mean? Like, I think I you may know that because you know so much about Batman. You kind of are looking into it. But I, I, I wonder if the audience feels that. Or I think that's weigh in on that, like, fair. I think that in that last thing, there there isn't quite there's sort of lip, I feel like there there's an attempt at getting that you know don't do this you can still walk away but there isn't a ton of it and well this is like you were saying like let's say this movie is 90 minutes long or you know 100 minutes long I, I feel like that's the movie the movie does move quick almost too quick in a, yeah. in a, in a certain way right because yeah, yeah you're you're through their relationship um, like they just met and the next scene, like he's almost proposing to her. So, I mean, it's, it's a very quick, uh, progression of their love of the falling apart of that. And, and, and Joker's introduction, you know, it comes in what halfway over halfway into the movie. So it is, it is something that maybe structurally would have benefited from a more fleshed out runtime. Yeah. I agree with that. Statement. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I think that the pieces are there. Like if you hand me the outline, I think it all makes sense from a character perspective and you can't have Batman like once he finds out it's Andrea what is he going to do start punching her to death like he's got to you have to somehow get a third foil in there that they can direct you know the the fun action like the climax of this movie is great I mean that setting I think is super cool that the miniature yeah. world that they're the the, the, the uh, yeah the, the land of tomorrow the, yeah, the, but a decaying Godzilla yeah, stuff yeah. yeah I think all that stuff is really cool because First off, as a huge Disney nerd, it, 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 I mean, it's a total ripoff of what Epcot Center was <laughs> right, and, right, and, and, right. or supposed to be. And it's making fun of that in a lot of ways when, you know, Disney did all those World's Fair attractions and stuff like that. So I all, you know, all that stuff I think is is great from that perspective. So I really like the, I like the, the, the milieu of that set piece a lot. Um, uh, and the, uh, the other, there's a lot of great action beats in this movie. When he is being chased by the police, I think that's a really good, uh, set piece where he's in the uh, the construction site and he ends up using the sawhorse as a uh, as a misdirection. I think all that stuff. Right. Well, like if again, I I almost wish they spent the five hundred billion dollars they spent on Batman v Superman and just made a live action version of Batman Mask of the Phantasm and called it a day and everyone would have been really happy and it would have been a great movie and we could have all talked about how amazing it was. Right. A different director and well, different yeah, yeah. writer. And, and, <laughs> or even just do the Batman vs Superman with a different director. You know? Well, here's well, the thing: I, I don't think I don't. Or think just that, not make another Batman movie. Give it a rest. <laughs> yeah. I, the thing is, I think that Zack Snyder is a good visualist and I think that he's a great. I think he's great at casting movies. Actually, I think. I think yeah. I think Henry Cavill is the best looking Superman ever, and I think that yeah. Ben Affleck looks good. Uh, I, do not roll I, I don't eyes. love Ben Affleck. Cavill, but I think he's fantastic. Henry, no, 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 I, I, Henry Cavill is the is a beautiful man. If there is no, a god man, it is his Henry Cavill. Cheekbones. Are <laughs> I'm nothing against Henry Cavill. I thought he was fine. It's just that it, you know, to me, Christopher Reeve looks. I mean, it's obviously nostalgia is. Uh, well, but Henry Cavill's built in a way that Chris like the Superman of the comics, but I yeah the gigantic lower half of the face. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I will I will say that I think I think you're right. And the thing about Henry Cavill, it's not just that he looks like Superman. In the moments where he actually gets to do anything at all interesting, I think he like Christopher Reeve actually embodies that character quite well. Yeah. Um, it's just a shame that these are the movies he's been given to do that in. 
So um, other things, and I'm, I, I apologize if I sound like I am just listing off things I like about this movie, but another thing I really like about this movie is it conveys Batman's origin story without ever showing Bruce Wayne's parents being shot, yep. um, which, which I, I'm, I'm so, so sick, sick of seeing Bruce Wayne's parents, parents getting shot. shot. Like, So I'm, is he, man. So is he. I know. <laughs> it just keeps on playing in his head. But... It, it, but it, it, it tells that exact story beat. It tells that exact story beat in a much more intriguing way uh, through him communicating with their gravestone and through this humongous picture, which is a great image of them hanging over the fireplace in a room that is just a chair, a fireplace and a picture of, yeah. the, of the Wayne parents, which I think is fantastic. Uh, but. I think it's a lot more interesting cinematically if instead of seeing that moment as, you know, characters, we only see the repercussions of it and Batman's obsession with this monolithic grave that literally is a symbol that he that towers over him. And, you know, and they have this, you know, dramatic beat, which is somewhat cheesy, I suppose, of like lightning striking and, you know, to reveal the Wayne grave and stuff. But I, I still think that that takes courage in a lot of ways that, I mean... If I'm not mistaken, in the the new Batman v Superman movie, you see Batman's parents getting shot. Yeah, again, they I'm do. Guessing. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like if I if I see Uncle Ben get shot again, I swear to God, like I don't need to see Uncle Ben. Oh, Spider Man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't need to see those moments because we as audience members have. It's such shorthand. It's such common part of the mythos of who these characters are. We get it, and if you don't get it, that's your fault at this yeah, point. Exactly. If you're if you don't get it, that's your fault. That, that is well stated. Um, so. Andrea Beaumont, pretty hot, right? Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> oh yeah. She's, she's okay. She's yeah. all right. No, I, I, the reason I say that is as a PG movie, I think that they have this moment where she's just wearing like Batman shirt the morning after they uh, they reconcile, and I always what did they do? And, uh, as a kid, I'm like, that's a pretty risque moment for this PJ PG movie, which I think is. Oh, cool. you knew what it meant, huh? I did actually. Ivan was a man of the world, even at a young age. You were, you were not quite bar mitzvah age yet, so you were not a man yet. I, he, he was a man about town. He knew what was going on. Um, but I, the, the one thing I do want to mention about her character that I think is interesting is not only do I think she's a strong woman, uh, you know, obviously because she's uh, she's killing other <laughs> other people, uh, and I think she's intelligent. She's a, a, an intelligent force that is at rivals with Batman. Uh, but I think that. Um, I like the fact uh, Batman doesn't save her. I guess he kind of does with the, the whole uh, bike sequence where he destroys that. But he doesn't save her like a damsel in distress would. He saves her, as Avi mentioned, um, uh, uh, mentally, if that makes sense. Like he, well, he doesn't even he, manage to do that, right? I mean... I, I kind of feel it optimistic. I guess not. But uh, uh, So the end of this movie... Is her standing on this boat, which I again I think is an amazing scene that is told in three lines, where a guy shows up to her and says, uh, "Do you want to be alone?" And she says, "I already am, or I am alone." Which again, amazing writing, like just fantastic writing. Um, she is confronted in that moment with this idea that she has been striving for justice and vengeance. She's been striving for vengeance, and supposedy at this moment she's achieved vengeance. She's killed. Essentially everyone, except for the Joker, which we'll get into. Uh, but um, but she doesn't feel any better. And I think that that's like the, 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 the thesis of the movie is, you know, you know, vengeance doesn't pay, which is kind of a somewhat cliche sentiment. But I think it is conveyed very appropriately in that moment. Um, so vengeance always is... You, end, you always end up alone, I guess. That's right. whole, the whole Batman thing. He's always alone, right? He never ends up with a girl at the end of the movie. He never ends up... Uh, well, I guess one, one of the movies he does. I'm, trying, I'm just remembering. What, uh, uh, one of the recent movies. Assuming, Wait, you, yeah. The Katie Holmes moment? 
No, no, no. No, no. no. no uh, Dark Knight Rises, right? He, yeah. he ends up kind of happy. Oh, oh <laughs> in Dark Knight Rises, though, you could you could you could uh, interpret that entire sequence as a dream sequence. <laughs> he got blown up. He got blown up in that plane. Well, yeah, yeah. Poor Alfred is hallucinating. Right. Yeah. Uh, plot Grief issues. stricken fever dream. Plot <laughs> issues aside, I don't think. They but he went to Paris to have. <laughs> I feel like he went right. to Paris just so he could sit there and have that fever dream. He took some PCP and had some kind of little hallucination in the cafe. And also gives him the opportunity to bring this character back, you know, in the series, I suppose, or, or future DVD releases. I don't know if there was ever a... Uh, more Phantasm? If there was, I don't know if there was more Phantasm. Or more Beaumont. More Beaumont later on. Well, I, I guess my question for you, Avi, as a character of the... Com- uh, sorry, character. As a fan of the, all the comics, <laughs> is Andrea Beaumont an original creation for this movie? Did she exist anywhere else? I, so I was trying to remember. She didn't exist prior to this they sort of they pulled from a couple of different things they pulled from uh from frank miller and david mazzicelli's batman year one for some stuff um they well they pull from that from his like training to be bat- like that scene where he like wears a ski mask and i mean i've read year one well, and also um, and also the thematically the idea of like in year one he he's not there's never a moment where he's deciding like maybe i'm not going to be batman but year one is about him figuring out like how do i be uh, Batman. So, like, they were pulling from that a little How bit. How do I Batman? How do I Batman? How do Batman? <laughs> um, and then the other thing that they were pulling from, um, but more, I think, like, visually than anything else, and I haven't read it in a long time, so I don't remember, but there was actually Batman Year Two, um, which was oh, written oh, by a guy named whoa. Mike W. Bear or Barr, um, and drawn actually by um, Alan Davis and then a little bit of Todd McFarlane, too. Uh, but there was a character in that called the Reaper. Um, who sort of looked like the Phantasm looked, and I think that was a sort of similar thing, like, um, you know, vengeance against mob bosses that had done him wrong. But the the thing was, was that in, in Batman Year Two, I'm pretty sure that it was the guy. Like, it would have been the equivalent of Andrea Beaumont's father, not her. Gotcha. What I don't hmm. remember is that I feel like at the very least in the comics that they did that were set in the animated continuity, I feel like she may have come back. Um, but I don't know if she was ever written into the mainstream DC continuity or, or anything like that. I, I'm pretty sure that she exists pretty solely in the um, in the the Bruce Tim verse. As- um, so, Mike, uh, what are your thoughts on Beaumont as a character? You're really into moral, uh, more implications <laughs> of characters. What, what were that your thoughts about her? Um, I guess uh, did you buy their romance? All all that good stuff. Um. I think we kind of talk. The romance happens fast, but I think I bought it for the sake of the movie. I'm like, all right, yeah, sure, okay. Um, I don't think I was also in love with her. Like, I, I kind of want to be. Um, like, we kind of talk about what's her name in uh, Groundhog Day, where I feel like that one I was a lot more like, yeah, I, I like her too. Like, I want to see that work. This one was more of like, all right, I'll take your word for it, Batman. Like, <laughs> you know, you're a superhero. You know these things. What is the deal with Batman and red-haired women? Isn't Barbara Gordon red-haired? And yeah, um, but uh, that's uh, Dick Grayson. Because if it was Bruce Wayne, it would be a little creepy. No, I, no, know, I know that. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. saying. Oh yeah. I'm talking, <laughs> I, I guess I don't know. It's um, well, I was doing a, a lot of reading about uh, Batman the animated the series coming out uh, prior to this episode, and I had no idea that Harley Quinn what Harley Quinn was a creation of the Batman the animated series. I had no oh, yeah. idea that that yeah. was a, that she came from that. Um, uh, so it, it is amazing the contribution that this series has had to. All the other Batman movies, and I would argue that even Nolan's Batman is somewhat takes influence from this in a certain way. Well, what's interesting uh, so, is yeah. thematically, Nolan's trilogy 
you know, supposedly borrows from a lot of the stuff that's normally name checked, the Frank Miller stuff and the Denny O'Neill. But thematically, this whole idea of do I have to be Batman or not, like when is enough is enough, is this film not really so much a lot of that that other stuff. And I had never put that together until watching it last night. It was almost like he like absorbed it by osmosis or something because he's never mm-hmm. mentioned it to my knowledge. So, so as Dave mentioned earlier, we talked about um, uh, Burton's original Batman film on this podcast. And what Burton's Batman does, I mean, I don't like the Burton movies. I'll come out and say it. Um, yeah, I'm with you on that one. But the, um, one thing those movies do is they take place in a universe that recalls things but doesn't exist in reality. And we mentioned this earlier, as Avi said, and we talked about like where it kind of takes place. And the animated series is a very similar thing, just in a different milieu. Um, like, for instance, I don't know if you noticed when Andrea calls from uh, Alfred uh, uh, Alfred's car, she calls with a rotary yeah. car phone, which is like, like an amazing like. Mm-hmm. It's How does like, that work? Yeah, it just, just everything about that is fantastic, and this is like a cut un- to a big cord just being dragged behind. The yeah, car. and this is a universe where, um, like, Batman has a high tech jet plane that he can fly, but the police are using like blimps to like survey I thought they had helicopters in this movie they, they do both, but they, yeah. they have both but they have like um, it is almost um, uh, it reminds me very much of The Rocketeer which is another movie mm. that we discussed in this podcast about like this love letter to that time but also existing out of it like gangsters and art deco there was this movie called Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow oh, oh yeah. yeah yeah that was uh, was that um, Leo Jude, Jude, Jude Law. Law oh Jude Law and, Jude Law um, yeah, yeah. Angelina Jolie right? Angelina Jolie yeah, yep yeah, yeah, yeah. yep that's a movie I almost want to revisit because that movie tanked yeah. at the box office. Yeah, I, was, I remember being And that really movie, if I recall movie. correctly, was one of the first examples of, it came out of a short. I'm yeah. pretty yeah. sure he was, um, he was a VFX and a VFX guy um, yeah. and did this short set in that world and it got like huge, like early dark days of the internet, got huge response. Um, and then it became the, the feature that it became. Well, it was a lot easier. <laughs> uh, like so, the the it's great the ability we have as filmmakers and creators to make things now because we can make things in ways we never would have been possible. But at the same time, now you're just fighting against all this noise. And like back at that time, you could create a short and it could be seen by everyone because there was like six videos on the internet. Like, yeah, that's true. So, and and everyone saw them. Like. Um, uh, there was the Star Wars Phantom Menace trailer. <laughs> what else? There was, was the Evolution of Dance. <laughs> no, but like, yes, there you go. But there was, uh, uh, there was a couple short films. Like the, uh, the BMW, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the BMW like uh, Driver series, yeah. which is one of the first like major short film series where like famous directors came and did these like short action movies starring Clive Owen as like this mysterious driver type character. And those had like a reach that I don't think that they would have nowadays just because of the... Uh, you know, you know the, the lack of content on the internet. We have the exact opposite problem now. We have right. too much content right. on the internet. Um, so yeah, um, which is why we're making a podcast. <laughs> so, we're doing our part to to save humanity. Um, Abby, what are your thoughts about Burton's Batman movies, and how do you feel like? I mean, do you? I mean, I actively dislike those movies. I don't know if you feel the same. Way. So uh, it's. It's I don't been, remember you disliking them, and I have to go back and listen. But. I actually just listened to that episode. I feel like you didn't like actively dislike them. I feel like you just, un, unlike this, I feel like you definitely 
Maybe saw me viewing uh, this made me maybe me viewing this kicked my brain into gear. I guess I admire the imagination in the Burton Burton movies. I just don't think they're Batman movies. And then I, I agree. I feel favorite. like they're yeah they're like a creative interpretation of it, but they're not canon. They're just not that good. Like the scripts aren't that good. You know what I mean? Like, like the, the actual yeah, story, like the storyliness in it going on. Yeah, the imagination is is great. But and the artwork like, is great. I, think I mean, there is a certain amount a of aesthetic bit. enjoyment. Oh, that sorry, you can get from those movies. I'm just saying, like aesthetically, I guess those movies have a lot to admire. I mean, they're built in these elaborate sets and they have defined like looks to everything. So I guess that, that is something that I, you know, I, I I do admire. I just I I. I have a, a love for Batman as a character, and I really like to see him portrayed correctly, which is a weird thing to say. That's such a nerd thing to say, right? Like, can you make this fictional thing, you know, the way I want it to be? And <laughs> I think that Batman Mask of the Phantasm fits that for me, I guess. But uh, so go ahead. What about what are your thoughts on Burton's Batman? Uh, it's, so it's been a while um, since I've actually revisited them. So I, I don't know. I should actually probably go back and give them a closer look. Um, I think that... I tend to. I think that I'm a little bit more generous to to their shortcomings probably than than you are, Ivan. I can. I saw them both in the theater. I was like, I guess nine when the first one came out. I would have been twelve if it was ninety two when Batman Returns came out. So you know, impressionable and young enough that nostalgia is thick. I think that, like I said, for for me, the animated series, this interpretation of Batman gets gets it more right. But I do think that there was. I do think that those movies are. Batman, or at least they have they have chunks of of it in there. Um, I think that one of the things that the Burton made with bits of real Batman. Batman. Yeah, exactly. Made with <laughs> bits of real. Well, here's the thing. You know, it is it is uber nerdy to say, right? Like, make the thing that that I like. But and well, how are we defining Batman? Batman? Like, what? Makes well, this it is the, well. That's the thing, right? Is so what what makes Batman Batman? And I think you know you could have all sorts of discussions, but I do think I think that there are certain things that are that make the character feel true, right? Like that sort of just like get ring to the, like feel like the essence of it. And you don't necessarily have to have all of them to feel a little bit of it. So like, you know, when you talk about the, say like the costume, right, of the Burton Batman films and how stiff he is, which is just a limitation (laughs) of what they're doing. On the one hand, you could look at that now and just be like, oh, that's so cheesy and crappy. Um, I think I forget if it was you, Dave, or, or you, Mike, who talks about the, the Keaton's Batman being like floaty. But the thing that I feel like with that limitation they got right in there was there's all this stuff of like like early on when he gets shot and he actually goes down and they're like mm-hmm. poking at the body armor and then he sort of like rises back up. One could argue that like Batman should never go down like that, but if a, if part of Batman's sort of true essence is that he's scaring the bejesus out of these criminals. That was kind of an interesting way to get to that. It might not be one that like holds up. It might not be one that you love, but it is coming from this place that is tied to something that I feel like almost everyone would argue is definitely part of his his DNA. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. So, and I, 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 yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh, so it feels like like a mutation outgrowth on Batman, <laughs> like a, like a, a weird like a. A tumor. Well, I definitely think I, I don't remember which of you guys said it. Like, it is it is definitely the connective tissue, right? Like, I don't think you get Batman Begins without Burton's Batman and Batman Returns. I think that's I think that's well, I don't, true. Do you think so? I feel like if those movies were never made, do you think that Chris Nolan would still have the um, opportunity to make them? I don't. I don't feel that like stuff is impossible to say. I mean, well, okay, you know what? Let me. We could, we could conjecture. I mean, that's in that's a what we world. Do. <laughs> You know what? You're right. You have a point because I guess Batman Begins have to, happens after 
Brian Singer's first X-Men movie and after Spider-Man, right? So I guess as long as those two things happen, then yeah, maybe you still get to Nolan. But if, 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 if there were no, if you had Batman and Robin and then Batman Begins, I don't, I don't yeah. know. Like you need that connective tissue for Hollywood to be able to say, well, maybe there's another way to do this and it can be successful. I think it's really uh, interesting to look about this landscape of superheroes we're in now because if you go to the early 90s, it was kind of like the Wild West of superhero movies because no one in in the studio world quite knew what to do with superhero characters. They didn't know how comic booky or nerdy they could make it. They didn't know... uh, Like, a lot of the early uh, superhero movies like Spawn and and movies... um, like, the Shadow, the but, Phantom, oh, the it, Phantom, it, Billy Zane. But it, it's, cra- yeah. it's your friend and mine, Billy Zane. <laughs> but I guess, I guess what's crazy to me in my head is Batman is obviously a very iconic character, but how do we get a goddamn Phantom movie before we got a Spider-Man movie? Or before we got, That's like, a good question. or, or how, how do we get a Spawn movie before we got a Spider-Man I, movie? I think yes, because Phantom technical limitations <laughs> similar to Batman. As is the shadow. I feel like all of them are very cloaky, darky, kind of. I guess I just, I find it kind of Spy- amazing how but long think it about it. Cloaky think about and like darky. how goofy Spider-Man looks though. Like in theory, a, a studio exec is going to be like, come on, a guy in red pajamas with lines all over his face. We can't sell that. But a man in a cloak, we can, that we can do. Well, I think that they were, I think honestly, they were probably just waiting until there was some way CGI. of showing, showing Spider-Man actually swinging through the canyons of New York. That's in, in actually a true. Semi-realistic okay. way. You know? I'll, I'll, the, fan, okay. the Phantom just has to run around and punch people, I guess. Right? They were in part <laughs> reacting to a previous failure too, because there was actually a short-lived 70s TV show of Spider-Man. It was, I think Hulk happened first, the, the, Bixby, Lou Ferrigno, Hulk. Uh, yeah, so yeah. that's successful, right? Of course, we've got to figure out what else we can do. So they went to Wonder Spider-Man. Um, as a kid, I was so, because I was such a Spider-Man fan, I would rent those the few episodes that were on VHS again and again and again because I was just hungry for whatever I could get. Um, and yeah, the, the technological limitations made it really hard to swallow. And so for a Years before Raimi, James Cameron, coming off of T2, was actually attached. There's even, you can find it online, like the treatment that he had written for what he would do with Spider-Man. Um, that would have been interesting as hell. Yeah. It would have been very blue and orange. Uh, well, he's the one, interestingly enough, he's he's why we got organic web shooters. Because even in the treatment, it says, like, his whole thing was, it's puberty. Your body is changing. <laughs> yeah. So it's weird. Um, but, I, but anyway, the, I think the, the point is, is that, you know, the when we talk about would we have gotten, you know, Nolan without without Burton, you know, a huge part of it was technology with Spider-Man, but it was also, look, we know what doing this badly looks like, and the audience mm-hmm. didn't take to it. So we got to wait till someone comes along that we think we have. Cameron's thing didn't happen because of legal stuff going on with, with Marvel and whatever the film company was that owned the film rights. But I think there's a reason why that, you know, they were willing to take a bet on him because of what he had already proven he could do with the technology available at the time, you know. It's all, I mean, it's 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 a thing that's so much cause and effect. And I mean, you have to have Bertman. You have to have the astronomical success of Bertman's Batman movies because those movies made a ton of money, and mm-hmm. and, they, and they made a ton of money in spite of being incredibly dark and somewhat disturbing. Like in the scene in Batman Returns, the Penguin literally bites off a man's nose, and it, <laughs> it's a movie intended. This is a character that kids are supposed to be are supposed to watch. Well, and those movies uh, were both. They, I think, the first one was just PG, right, or was it PG thirteen? Oh, they I got successively darker, though. Oh my my God. God, the third, third one. one. I mean, that's that one is. But well, that's Schumacher. That's right? Schumacher. 
Um, and then, and then, and then. No, wait, wait. We are talking about the original ones. We're talking about yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Batman. We're talking about Batman, Batman oh. Returns, Batman Forever, and Batman. No, Robin. no, no, no. Yeah. Never mind. Sorry, Batman oh, Forever didn't get that dark. <laughs> Nipple suit, not so dark. <laughs> it got less dark. No, well, we'll see. That's the thing about um, Schumacher is an interesting like um, effect of. Burton because Schumacher thinks that what makes Burton's movies interesting is that they're crazy and weird and campy and like so he goes even further with that uh, and then he creates Batman and Robin and nearly kills Batman like kills the entire character from a cultural standpoint um, and then it takes uh, Chris Nolan to do the exact opposite make him so gritty uh, you know the idea of Batman credit cards and other ridiculous things like that um, going God. away and then now I we're mean, at this stage now where we have uh you know, CrossFit Batman <laughs> fighting Superman. So, there you go. Yeah, I mean, I think Schumacher was trying to ape, uh, you know, the animation more than any of the uh, versions that, that we've seen. You know, I, I, I can't. I, it's been a while since I've seen any of those movies, but I remember the things in, in those movies being so far over the top that you know, you know, nothing could really happen. I mean, he, he they were pretty cartoonish. You know, I'm trying to bring this back to the cartoon here. We're talking about. No, yeah, we have deviated. I apologize. Um, and uh, I, I guess I mean you know we I, I feel like we could have seen other successful animated superhero movies. It took a while to get like a real classic. I would say The Incredibles is probably the one true classic super animated superhero film that I can, that I can think of. Um, uh, but you know I think animation works well for for the realm of, of superheroes. I mean it's it just obviously it fits perfectly. It's you know they're comics. I mean you're you're seeing comics brought to life on screen. So I think that. Uh, you know, Batman the Animated Series is a good, um, and, and this movie, it's a good way to experience, you know, especially if you're a comics fan. I mean, this is, uh, I, I feel like this movie, movie is a good experience for people who aren't comics fans. I think it's uh, a, a mind, maybe a mind-blowing experience for people who were, you know, who grew up reading comic comic books, which, which I really didn't. <laughs> So, I mean, I was more of a, I read comics growing up as a kid, but I was definitely an X-Men guy. Like that was my thing. Hmm. Um, I used to collect the X-Men freaking uh, playing, like they had these cards, like mm -hmm. of all the artwork. I was yeah. obsessed with I them. actually have a uh, box of one of the Fleer sets so, in my so, office. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I think they're at my parents' house. I had this entire like tops like box full of cards. I was such a The dork. series that um, was all Jim Lee art? Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm talking about. So... Yeah, um, I guess closing out this episode, we've, been, we've almost at the hour mark here. Um, I wanted to go round robin, I uh, guess, what is a moment from this movie that really sticks out uh, as being, I guess not your favorite moment, but a moment that, a little touch that the movie does that I think really kind of endears you to it. Um, yeah, we're going to go around and um, do you, I guess I'll start while you guys can think of yours, so I give you a chance. Uh, but my <laughs> favorite little touch uh, that's such a badass Batman moment is in the opening scene of the movie after he's taken out the mob guys um, and he's like knocked over the, the table onto the other guy and the guy's like squirming and he just takes his foot and he just slams down on it to stop the guy from um, squirming anymore. And it's such a great like wordless badass Batman moment. And I think it's a great reflection of this character uh, being like a strong uh, cool ass superhero, but at the same time, later in the movie, we see him his the vulnerability creep in. So I think that's great. Anything you guys want to share in that regard? I mean, I guess I I, I think having the you know the moment of you know finding out you know the kind of key to the puzzle that Joker was the guy who I guess literally killed her father. Um, I was right in assuming that. Yes, 
Uh, yeah, I think that's the implication because he wasn't. Right, okay, he yeah, was yeah. like the muscle. They show him as, as right. The, uh, he was one of the guys yeah. who. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think kind of that that moment I feel like unlocks a lot of stuff, and you kind of like realize like, oh, okay. Um, or even a step back further, I think the moment where you realize the guy in that picture is the Joker, and I, I, what I like about it is that it's something that you should have like. I think they show you the picture beforehand. They do. Um, but there's no like I don't think you really would have picked that out. But when you when you when they do show you the exact same photo again, you're like, ah, of course, of course. Um, I, I I think I like that. I feel like there's other moments where I just can't think of anything at the, at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I I personally love the World of Tomorrow stuff at the beginning, especially the flashback yeah. sequences uh, yeah. where he's you know remembering his relationship with Andrea, and uh, I thought that was you know I'm I'm partial towards that whole uh, you know. Uh, I don't know what you would call it. It's aesthetic? almost it's almost like yeah, that, that aesthetic. It reminds me of something you'd see like in Triumph of the Will or something. Yes. You know, <laughs> wow. I, it, I don't know why that popped into my head, but it's like yeah. there. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, really? let's let's you know. Yeah. yeah well, I, hey, have you guys seen Triumph of the Will? Am, am I <laughs> no, I'm missing out. Apparently, I really Triumph need to go back and check Isn't it out. Triumph of the Will, a propaganda film. Yeah, it's a Nazi propaganda film, but it's so you know, Batman. It's, it's, it's a curious there, thing to say when there's three Jews on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, oh, I don't know. Well, anyway, so I. <laughs> and on that I love, note, <laughs> I love that scene where Hitler's on the boat going through the. Woo! <laughs> 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 okay. Yeah. yeah. New lows for the podcast. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah. Avi, any final thoughts in this movie? Any any particular scene that you really like? Um, well, we talked about the 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 only one being controlled by your parents is you. I think that's probably one of the yeah. best moments of, of any Batman film. I also really like um, the uh, the the sort of banter, as it were, like the, the stuff with Alfred. There's a line like something along the lines of, oh yeah, you're a model of sanity. By the way, I pressed your tights and, you, and replaced your exploding <laughs> gas bulbs. I know. It, it, I it, it, is, it, is, it is, there are a lot of comedic beats like that that I think really work. Well, and that's definitely And what's great is like, they're, they're comedic, but they're also like, there's, there's this thing behind them, right? Like this thing of like, Alfred knows that he's never gonna stop doing it, he's gonna support him, but he's never gonna let him forget that he thinks he should hang it up and, and have his life. And then the other thing is that I don't didn't remember at all, but it, it stood out to me watching last night, is in that final battle, there's a moment like Joker sort of gets away into the tunnels and, and Batman follows him. And I swear to God, that's um, like right out of Third Man, the scene when they're running through mm. the sewer tunnels at the end. And it's this like oh, yeah. brief tableau. It could be the Third Man, except it's the bat silhouette instead of uh, Joseph Cotton. Um, and yeah. I thought that was awesome. What was not awesome, though, was did any of you guys stick around for the credits? Because they're yes, oh my I was God. going to bring that up. That yes. Tia Carrere, star of uh, co-star of Wayne's World, yeah. sung the opening or the closing, closing credits song, and it was Ugh, so terrible song. Um, <laughs> Yes. Yeah, because we all know she's got such a great voice from her appearance in Wayne's World. So uh, hey, no, she sounds uh, she's great. It's just singer. like the worst smooth eighties. Like uh, yeah, it, it is. It is a smooth guys. jazz song. It is really. It was. It's bizarre. Oh, hey. now I do remember that. Yes. 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 Well, the credits are bizarre because they start and they like they're trying to get like it's like they're trying to get over, get them over with as quickly as possible, like ripping off a band aid. They're like, okay, we got to get through these two, and uh, these people did this, and it's it's very it's very odd to me. So uh, especially in an animated film, where you think they could do some really kick ass awesome. 
awesome title sequence or end title it sequence. It really pulls well, you out of the movie. That's the, <laughs> you're talking about the opening sequence, though, right? We're, t- we're talking about the, the end. No, no, I'm talking about the end. I'm talking about the very end. Like, you would think that there oh, would I be yeah, I, I get some kind of cool, like, graphic. CG yeah. graphic thing, and instead it's, like, a, a weird scroll. They didn't really do that. They didn't really do that back then, no. I don't think. I mean, but just music, but just even with the music, all they had to do was just stick to the... They already had a solid score in the movie. Why not just... Yeah, all based Which is a variation of... Danny Elfman's uh, Elfman's score, score. yeah. 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 I just, why not just stick with that? But I mean, you know, I think a lot of movies were using, you know, soundtracky songs just to, you know, yeah, because you have to we got to make a little extra money. Somewhere there's a soundtrack. Yeah. Last question I'll ask before closing this out, and uh, maybe you guys can answer this. Does Joker die? Is it supposed to imply that Joker dies at the end? And if not, what happens there? Because she ends up on that boat by herself. What happens to Joker? It was implied. I thought. I thought she killed him. I think the implication, because he obviously comes back. This is in the the middle of the the run of the show. I think the implication is is that she thinks she got him, but there was never a body. My theory, My theory is, is that, that Batman had uh, evoked some, some change on him, yeah. and she let I him like go. That. And she lets him like she doesn't like let him go, but she like lets him like drops him into the water to like drown. Like she doesn't fit. It. So at the end of Batman Begins, there's that moment where he's like, "I'm not gonna kill you, but I don't have to save you either." Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that moment. So that would be my interpretation. Of I like that. that. Right. I yeah, 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 if you don't see a body actually yeah. die on screen, in my opinion, that character's not dead. Right. <laughs> right. Well, that, I agree. That, that, that's I agree. a cinematic invention. I've been burned no body, no way too many times with that. Uh, yeah. No yeah. body, no death. Uh, Sorry. One thing. last bit of awesomeness <laughs> that I totally forgot. Speaking of Batman Joker. In that end scene, when uh, Joker's got the jetpack and they're flying away, there's that like that one moment of maybe Batman's going to do it this time. Joker has a yeah. line like, "Are you crazy? We'll both die." And his response mm-hmm. is just whatever it takes. Yeah, yeah which is <laughs> it, it, even the bit of animation there is pretty strong, where he's like pulling on the straps of the jetpack and it's like stretching as it like goes down. It's pretty. Pretty cool. Um, so yeah, closing out this episode, which we've been rambling on about this. We've been probably talking longer than the movie actually has run time of. Um, We're just about there. Uh, um, so, um, Avi, where can people find you on the internet? Um, you can find me on Twitter at AG457. A is an apple, G is in George. Because if it was A. Glajanski, it'd be way too flipping long. Um, <laughs> and uh, my website is uh, highway9pictures.com. The word highway, the digit nine pictures plural dot com uh, my website is lucky nine studios dot com that's lucky the number nine and studios dot com no wonder we get along I know yeah um, and you can find me on twitter at Ivan Kander that's um I-V-A-N-K-A-N-D-E-R. Uh, Mike, where can people find you on the internet? On Twitter at MikeMirandi.com. Nope, I did it again this week. <laughs> you can find me at MikeMirandi.com or you can follow me on Twitter at Mike Mirandi. And uh, dribble at Mike Mirandi. Yeah, yeah, right. Dribble with three Bs. Dribble. <laughs> what? I don't know. That sounds funny. You sound funny, Dave. Um, dribble with three Bs dot com slash Mike Morandi. Dave's too busy watching Nazi propaganda films. Yeah, I, I, I don't listen to him for a while. Yeah. You can find me with my Aryan brothers. Um, oh, Jesus oh, my God. And Dave is Jewish, by the way. Yeah. <laughs>
Dave Glanz on Twitter, G-L-A-N-Z, DaveGlanzProductions.com. Um, yeah, and you can uh, view all our animation work after we took a giant shit on the animation in this movie. Um, so yeah, if you <laughs> Come can, by and take a, take a poop on ours, too. Yeah, take a poop on our work. Um, you can find us uh, on the web, this whole podcast. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast. You can email us for future movie suggestions at contact at ReviewPodcast.com. And um, I don't know, ReviewPodcast.com, somewhere, something like that. Um, uh, what's our next movie? What are we doing next? Uh, that's Mike's choice. Yes. Mike? Um, I would like to do... I'm Wait, doing this very specific. Choice? What isn't it Dave's choice or no? No, no it's mine. I did Silence of the Lambs. Oh, oh right, 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 Mike. What are we doing? We're doing the Goonies. Oh, good oh, one. Fuck. <laughs> what is this? In memory of Patty Duke, uh, whose son is Sean Astin, just passed away today. Not Sean Astin. Patty Duke passed away. I was gonna say Sean Astin's dead. No, no, no. 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 He's dead. Sean Astin's fine. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, that was a real scare. <laughs> Damn, um, Dave. So yeah. What made you choose? What made, I'm just curious. What made you choose Goonies? Um, I I actually saw it in college, and I um. We had discussions after we had all seen it, and it was just an interesting discussion. I want to see where I fall now, and I want to see where you guys fall. Sounds good. So, we Who has seen it? Have you guys seen it? Of course. It's Goonies. Yeah. Of course. Okay. So I okay. saw it. <laughs> I, but I also, don't hold, I also don't hold the reverence that most people do because I saw it way late. I saw it when I was like 12 or 13, which I think is a little late to see that movie. Um, so... Mm. Could be wrong about that. All right, we'll see. We'll see. But, uh, and we're I mean, going to have a great song to actually play out the uh, closing credits of our show because Cindy Lauper. What? Oh, or the Goonie song. Oh, sorry. I'm not paying attention. Um, anyway. Much better uh, than T. Career song. Um, yeah, all right. All, all right. right. Avi, thanks so much for calling in. I really appreciate it, man. Thanks, thanks for man. Uh, having me on. Sorry about yeah, my thanks. rambly ways. Uh, no, no. Great. Sounds good, guys. So thanks so much for watching. Oh, watching, listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Discretion in my